It's the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, Sage Williams. Once again on the ones and twos over across the glass. You guys want a little trivia to start out hour two? Duh. The NBA draft is coming up on Thursday. Whoa. And I, I've seen some, of course, social media posts sharing about maybe some history about uh, college basketball and the NBA draft. Did you know both K-State and KU have the same amount of number one overall picks in the NBA draft? No. Number one number ones. Really? Well, they're they're tied for third, but they have the same amount. Okay. They each have two. Whoa. Now, I knew of one for K-State, but I didn't know the other. And I figured it was older. Mm-hmm. And it is older. Yeah. Now, do you guys know, happen to know K-State or KU? Who their number one draft picks were. Okay, so KU's Will Chamberlain's got to be number one. Will Chamberlain went third overall wow. mm-hmm. in 1959. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, Clyde Lovellet? Lovellet? Lovellet. He went 10th overall in 52. A way to throw out his name. Okay, Danny Manning's got to be number one. Danny Manning went number one in 88. Yeah. And his dad went along to drive the bus. <laughs> Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. For, for, their, for KU's other number one, think this last decade. <laughs> oh, Andrew Wiggins. Yes. Okay. Wiggins. Danny Manning and Wiggins. K-State is Bob Boozer. Yes. And uh, in the inaugural NBA season of 1937, uh, uh, Ellis Schlemlocher. Uh, no. Dang it. 1949, <laughs> Howie Shannon. Howie, Sh- shout out Howie Shannon. Howie Shannon. Oh. You want to? Let's see if I could find his NBA numbers. He was incredible. He was the first person to dunk. I'm just kidding. I, I was going to say. <laughs> Would you believe Wyoming has a statue honoring the man who created the jump shot? No. That they claim. Kenny they Sailors. Claim. They claim. Kenny Sailors. What year was that? 1930. Oh, the oh, jump yeah. shot wasn't around before. No, actually, that. actually it really wasn't. Set shots were the and norm. Then some old crazy guy in Wyoming <laughs> was like, "See ya!" And it froze everybody. <laughs> and then, and they <laughs> imagine people's reaction when they first saw a fadeaway. Oh my God! Northern Colorado's coach was like, "Listen, uh, notable for inventing the jump shot as an alternative to the two-handed, flat-footed set shot." Oh hell yeah! And no, nobody squared up the arms either. Just yeah. kind of a shove, Shoved with the it, two hands, pretty much. So. How Howie Shannon played just one year in the NBA. He played one year with the Celtics. Dang. And he averaged nine points a game. He did play one other year in pro ball before that when he was drafted, but it was in the BBA, and it was with the Providence Steamrollers. I used to uh, love... Or the BAA, excuse me, not the BBA. I used to love tuning into steamroller games. They were... they Man, they would light up the scoreboard, man. It would be like 26, 22, you know? Well, uh, Mr. Uh, Shannon, he averaged 13 and a half points You know a what's game. funny is they're like... And he would jump. We're like, hey, these days we're so quick to write a guy off. A, no, a dr- number one draft pick. He's in and out. That guy spent one year in the league as the number one draft <laughs> well, well, but you're also at a time where... I mean, just like every other sport, you know, that was a part-time job. True. It was not your full-time gig. The Okay, the story about Elgin Baylor, I mean, this is even further, you know, after 1949, it was like in the 50s. Elgin Baylor for the Los Angeles Lakers. 
used to do um, part-time National Guard stuff. So he would have to fly into games on the weekends, and then he would average like 40 points a game. Mm -hmm. And he would crush. He'd get like 40 points and 18 rebounds every game. And he did it as a part-time gig. Elgin Baylor, if you look up his stats, they're nuts considering that he wasn't an everyday basketball guy. He'd go out there and kill them. Crazy. Uh, one, of, one of the great stories uh, of, of all time is the night that Wilt scored 100 in Hershey. His opposing center was in the car with him as they drove back to New York City. <laughs> After the game. Yeah, he's like, man, you really gave it to us. A hundred points. That's amazing. Man, <laughs> you dunked 13 times in my face. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Much different time. That's crazy. How is Shannon? Was a native of Manhattan, Kansas? No. Uh, 6'2", and he played. He was a Ford. Ooh. Tweener. Out there just busting him. Howie Shannon. Shout out to Howie Shannon. He's cool in my book. Bob Boozer, how long was he in the NBA? He's in there for a minute, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nine uh, seasons, right? I'm going to count him up here. 11. Wow. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 12. That's a hell of a career. Yeah, 12 seasons. I remember uh, hearing stories about Howie Shannon down in City Park just hanging like 60 on people. And they were like, what? And he was like, I want to start, a, I want to train these kids to be like me, Howie Shannon. And that's Manhattan Park's right. The beginning of it. I believe back then they called it Small Town Park. <laughs> that is stupid. I know. No, it was just some guy's farm. You know, yeah. it was like Jack's farm. Left the, o- left over on the dad board. joke from Father's Day from Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, well done. <laughs> well, my favorite part about that joke is I just buried it right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know you have I think to. that makes it funnier. I'm going to get in front of this and, yeah. and just tell you it stunk. But <laughs> I'll bury my own content. Manhattan small, sit, small town park. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Howie Shannon out there just blasting people. Shout out. Well, also kind of speaking to the NFL uh, NFL, the NBA, NBA draft. Um, I think Nigel Pack sooner or later will be an NBA draft pick, but he's no longer a cat. He is now a Miami Hurricane, and he did speak with ESPN. ESPN put this article out earlier today as they spoke with you know multiple guys via transfer portal mm-hmm. uh, that went to another school and just kind of they're all asked the same questions, and it all opened up with like you know when did you know it was time to think about transferring, and Nigel was open right away by saying, and we knew this would be the case, and that was when Coach Weber was officially let go, resigned, or whatever happened. That was a quote from him, and he talked with his parents about it, was patient about the process, seeing who the new coach might be, but they felt like you know, transfer portal, it was the best option, so, uh, so that's what we did. And I would not, be, not surprised at all if he made the decision to transfer before Coach Tang's name was even mentioned. Wouldn't surprise me at all. He's He was a Bruce Weber guy through and through. That was the reason he came to K-State was because Bruce Weber believed in him, and it was before he was getting really any attention from anybody else, which if you go back and look at Nigel Pack's offer list, like it's nothing impressive. K-State being listed there was maybe the most impressive part about it. And, um, yeah, certainly you know Coach Weber, the reason – that uh, Nigel Pack was in Manhattan for a couple of seasons. So the follow-up question to that was, what was your team's 
and coaching staff's response. And I thought this would be interesting. His response was to that question. Some people were upset. Some people were happy. It's life. People got to make the best decisions for themselves. And this is one of the best decisions I've had to make to evolve my game, to take myself to the next level. It was hard. I didn't want to leave my brothers. I made a Kansas State. But that's just how life is. Things and people move on. It's nothing but the best and love for those guys. I had a K-State. I don't see anything wrong with what he said there. Some of it maybe like maybe feel a little bit harsh. Um, just kind of thinking, hey, I gotta think for myself here. I totally understand. Now, maybe also might get a little bit upset saying that uh, Miami is the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now it is, or you know, two months ago it definitely is or was. You're talking about a team that just went to the Elite Eight and they went after the transfer portal, but they only brought in a couple of guys from the transfer portal. Nigel Pank, one of them. They're still returning some solid talent. Miami's in a pretty good spot right now with a proven head coach in Jim Laranega. I mean, I kind of get it. Right now it is. Three years from now it might not be. And I hope it's not. I really do. Now, here is, I think, what people want to hear. NIL. Of course, Nigel Pack receiving $800,000 over a couple of years from John Ruiz, who's a billionaire, to come to Miami. So the question was, how did NIL factor into it? His answer, Nigel Pack's answer. Everybody kind of thinks NIL was my number one reason, but it's really not. Not at all. I had a lot of options that were way in front of that. NIL just happened to come with it. Coach Laranaga and what he has for me and what he has in store, I'm thinking long-term more than just right now. So NIL is not even one of the top factors in my decision. I want to react to that last sentence first. NIL is not one of my top factors. I mean, 20, 21 years old, and you have all that money sitting on the table, that opportunity, I mean... It's got to be a pretty big factor. It really does. I know he's thinking about his future, and he, he he has a bright future. But when it comes to right now, and you can have all that cash in your pocket, I think that's got to be a pretty big dis- deciding factor. It, it, it's just got to be. That's just a normal person's reaction. Because, shout out the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who <laughs> used to have the big tagline, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. Well, in this case, it's John Ruiz. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you say $800,000 as a, as a college kid, and that's laying the groundwork for NIL, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough to let die. If he had better offers out there, I'm sure there, there may have been. I don't know. I can't tell you, but I would imagine there's some pretty good money out there. But it seems like, you know, $800,000, that's certainly something you're going to pay attention to when you're making your decision. Yeah. Now, another thing about Jim Laranega. It's been said before, and Nigel Pack did also mention it in this interview, about his success with smaller guards and gave a shout-out to Shane Larkin. That's a name that's been thrown out there a bunch of times. He was drafted after playing a couple of years at Miami, and um, his NBA career was really spotty. He's been better overseas. 
Um, hold on just a second there, Nigel. And with the addition of Jerome Tang, remember Manu Lacanti, who played at Miami for Jim Laranega for two years and then transferred to Baylor? To where? He, oh. pl- he played at Miami oh, and Baylor? transferred to Baylor. Oh, what do you know? And he got better. Oh. <laughs> he was incredibly fun to watch. Hmm. Now, here's also the argument. Drum Tang is a guy that coaches bigs. He is. He, when I mention with the recruiting class, and I use the word potential a ton, a lot of that, of course, is going to be with the bigs because, I mean, Coach Tang and Baylor can give you a couple of, of examples here, but have done a great job turning guys that were under-recruited and turning them into some very big-time players. I mean, Jonathan Motley is a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Who is not a top 100 kid, and he becomes a power forward of the year. Freddie Gillespie is another great example. Where was he at before Baylor? He was at a D3. That's crazy. And he and then he gets this opportunity at Baylor, and he's all Big 12 and all defense. Good. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Chama Chachwa is a great example. Flo Thamba is another great example uh-huh. of the work that's been done with Biggs. I know we're talking Biggs. He's a guard, and he's a point guard. And he is going to have – another thing about Coach Laranega, and, and, and Coach or, uh, Nigel Pack mentioned this, and that is another reason why he went to Miami – the uh, just a relationship that he felt like he had with the team when he met him, the coaching staff. I I do truly believe that's very important to Nigel Pack. Yeah. It's it's extremely important. He he wants that. He wants a place where he feels comfortable. He gets along with everybody. He feels like he's going to learn what he needs to learn to take himself to the next level. I don't blame him at all for that. But you cannot. You also can't. Was this a factor? I have no idea. But I, I truly feel like you can't ignore the fact, you know, what Coach Jerome Tang has been able to do with guys that were ignored, didn't have a lot of praise exiting high school and going to the college ranks, and turn them into some stars. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Nigel Pack did not give Coach Tang and this coaching t- staff the time of day. Would not surprise me at all. I would imagine that's the way it went. Because I'm sure his ma- mind was made up that once Bruce Weber was gone, he's gone as well. That's my coach leaving. I need to go find somebody else that is already established that has something going for them right now but will give me the same kind of love and respect and I can trust that Bruce Weber gave me. I can go find that somewhere else. And he feels like he did with Jim Laranega. I, you know, Nigel... I understand playing it close to the vest, but next level, I don't. I I don't think of Miami at the next level. I think Miami got hot when they needed to get hot, and they won some games that were impressive, and that's good for them. Jim Laranega is a fine head coach, but I think if you look at their history in the tournament. K-State's history in the tournament trumps them big time. They haven't had a lot of success in the tournament. They've had recent success, Mm -hmm. but not even much. Even that is still kind of to the body. I think if they go and they have a crummy ACC, 
that's a team that could miss the tournament next year, even with a Nigel Pack. If they have a crummy conference, right, they're not going to make it. I, I don't go, Miami, that's the team that's going to win their conference. I, I just don't see it. I think Nigel Pack did talk to Jerome Tang, and I don't think he liked what he heard. And I think that Ish Masood and I think Marquise Noel did like what they heard. And I think that he goes, he's a gut feeling kind of guy already because Bruce is leaving. So he's like, I'm already kind of like, uh, uh, and what he heard he didn't like. And then this guy throws 800 grand in your face and you say that it has nothing to do with it. Don't. Tell, don't talk to me like I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not an idiot, man. No one's stupid. If you go, yeah, I'm going to Miami. It's going to be really great. Next level. The coach has got a lot for my future invested. Oh, yeah. Well, what else? Oh, they're going to throw in 800 grand, but that's not a big deal. Give me a break, man. Come on. Whatever. I wish him the best, but Nigel, <laughs> whatever, dude. In some ways, I go back to the Marcus Foster situation. And it reminds us again how many people tend to be in the ears of players. For sure. Nowadays. For sure. And in the ears of parents. And the key is being able to filter out what is truth and what isn't about where you are, what your talents are, where you want to be. You brought up you know, that he maybe heard something from Jerome Tang that he didn't want to hear. I've got a feeling he was hearing something from someone else that he did Didn't want like, to hear. That's a great point. Which, again, reminded me of Marcus Foster yeah. immediately. Right. Hearing what he wanted to hear, not what he didn't want to hear, even though the what he didn't want to hear was probably more accurate than what he was hearing and taking as the truth. Wow. The, there's a discernment level that needs to be there, and all too often, uh, it's not. And it has... Changed careers. How I, I go back to the comment yesterday as we talked about coaches. You know, you're you're putting your career in the hands of eighteen to twenty two year olds, <laughs> and you know you're that's that's what it comes down to. And sometimes, even with the the best intentions in their own families, in their own uh, circle of friends, you hear things that may not be one hundred percent accurate, or that are maybe overstated about your situation mm. and it plays out different than what you think it should well, it certainly could have played out that way i know nigel pack's dad i mean he's, he's can be a pretty vocal guy like a lot of parents would be maybe when he just comes down to the end of the day you know this team is going to probably have some growing pains and it's with a coach that doesn't you know his head coaching experience well, he's been an assistant for the last 19 years. There's going to be already a ton of transfers coming in. Does Nigel want to go through another stint of of growing pains and, yeah. and trying to make this into a winning program where he's already gone through two years of, as a team, not successful basketball, even though personally he has been successful? No. is No. No. I, I agree. I think it was like Troy said, you're having conversations with other people. And you're like, I just don't get a good, I just don't think he has my best interest in mind, speaking about the current coaching staff. And then, you know, you have people from Miami that are whispering sweet nothings, you know? you Of course, you'd be like, yeah, let's go down to Miami. And the 800 grand, to say it doesn't, man, 
<laughs> Whatever. I, I do tend, though, to believe him in a way that it wasn't maybe not. The dis- I, I don't believe him that that it wasn't one of the big factors. I mean, that, that's so hard to ignore. It's a. It was the kicker. It's it's anybody. It's like with anybody else in their job. Sure. Like if they have the opportunity to go do the same thing somewhere else for a lot more money, a fresh start and a fresh. How are you not? How are you going to ignore that? No, it's not. I a, mean, that is going to be extremely tempting. I believe at the it, least. I believe it was the kicker. It wasn't the only thing he was focused on, and it wasn't the thing that he was like, "This is going to make or break." But when they put that down, he said, "Yep." This is where I'm supposed to be. That's what he was like. Got to sign, 800k. You know, come on, man. Don't tell me that wasn't a big deal. All right. When we come back, uh, Phil Still has named three Wildcats as preseason All Americans, and I don't. You might not believe who's going to be the quarterbacks coach, the personal coach for Russell Wilson in Denver. <laughs> oh, that's next. The Flint Hills Discovery Center will host the event Sports Saturday Get Fit Have Fun on June 25th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Explore sports, health, and wellness at this exciting sports-themed family fun day. Kids can learn how muscles work, make their own pom-poms, and test their batting skills. Also there to sign their brand-new book is Coach Bill Snyder and D. Scott Fritchin. That book my Football Life, and the rest of the story from 1 to 3 p.m. As uh, K-Man and B-1047 will be out there live from 10 a.m. to noon. We'll have the Wildcat there from 11 a.m. to noon as well. Are you going to be there for uh, for that remote? I will not. I'll be at oh, yeah, Beds for less. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Beds but we will have summer thing. We will have a crew out there at Flit Hills Discovery Center this Saturday. Yeah, I wish I was at that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it'd be cool to be there. You know? Yes. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, the uh, Phil Steele, I don't, is this magazine out yet? Not yet. Just came off the printer the other day, I do believe. I saw him say. And I go into a range interview with him. We have him on every summer to preview mm-hmm. the Cats and, and Big 12 football. He's not doing those interviews quite yet, but we will have him on uh, soon. Has he ever been like, they stink? Uh, I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's you typically one of those that uh, shoots from the hip, doesn't he? He's yeah. a, just a truthful guy. I'm trying to remember, like in the past, like I think he's been pretty high on Bill Snyder. Yeah, the Chris Climate era, like it's you know, yeah, kind of what we get t- typically from the media when it comes to their thoughts on the Cats and how they'll finish this season. You know, bottom half of the Big Twelve. Um. But uh, Phil Still earlier today announced his uh, preseason All-Americans for the 2022 season. And three cats fall on his All-American team for the preseason. Deuce Vaughn, first team All-American. Yes. You love that. Malik Knowles is third team All-American. That was a little bit of a surprise. It doesn't specify, I believe. I, I, it doesn't say wide receiver or kick returner or anything like that. It just says Malik Knowles. And then Felix... And UDK Uzama, King Felix, yeah. is a third-team All-American. I feel like that's a little disrespectful. Absolutely. He's the king. So. He's the king. He is the All-American. Um, I mean, come on. Let's go. Show him respect. Put some respect on his name. Did you guys see that uh, also? So the uh, TBT, the basketball tournament? Yes. 
back for another year, going to have a um, Wichita region. Mm-hmm. And K-State's team, the Purple and Black, are, are back. And a couple of names were announced to that team today. One of them I think we already knew. The other one we did not. Henry Walker, a.k.a. Bill Bill Walker. Skywalker, baby. And Jacob Poland have been added to the team. Nice. All right. So the the other K-State players on that team, Justin Edwards, Kamal Stokes, Martavius Irving, Thomas Gibson, and then some other guys that didn't play for K-State will be on that team as well, like uh, Trevor Gaskins. I think Did he play last year on the team? I don't remember. But it's not a bad lineup. Now, the other story I wanted to get to here. <laughs> so Russell Wilson, new quarterback of the uh, Denver Broncos, going to give Patrick Mahomes a real chase for the uh, AFC West crown this year. Oh, boy. You're looking at me for reaction and, uh, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh. I thought you were going to say something. I, I'm I'm still trying to fully understand and grasp why this move. <laughs> I I just thought the name that was brought up and is going to be his coach is is, is a bit comical. Humorous. Yeah, it's the reaction I had earlier today when I saw it too. So the the headline is that Russell Wilson is going to have his own private QB coach that'll be joining him in Denver, and I don't know how much of a thing this is in the NFL. I haven't heard of this too many times, but I'm sure there's a few out there that have their personal quarterbacks coach. Backups, get your own. I got my own guy. (laughs) Russell Wilson, his quarterback coach is Jake Heaps. Hmm. Now, you might remember, you might not. I I wouldn't blame you if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. But coming out of high school, he's a four star kid, and he went to BYU. He's a Mormon. Yeah. And he went to BYU for a couple of years. He left BYU in 2011. He transferred to KU. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was KU starting quarterback in 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, for Charlie Weiss, it was a big get. That was a big, big get and a big year mm-hmm. because KU that season won three games. Whoa! With Jay keeps at quarterback, and he threw for just under 1,500 yards that whole season. Burn Eight it. touchdowns, ten interceptions. Barn burner. Let's see. Was he a runner? I don't. Uh, Who's no, that guy? He, he was not. No, no, he no, was no, not no. A, He was not a runner. He's a regular Timmy Chang out there. Remember that guy from Hawaii for 600 yards a game? Jay Keeps is the the coming aid. The and, then, coming. and then Jay Keeps, he left Kansas after one season. He, well, he was technically there for two years because when he transferred the 2012 year, he had to sit out. And then 2013, he got to play. And then he transfers to Miami in 2014, and he was a backup. Yeah. A tough move. Tough. But he tried to get his toes wet in the NFL. He was on a number of teams' practice squads, never saw the light of day when it comes to an actual game, and then tried some CFL action. That really didn't work out. And then what did he get into, Troy? Like, he was a part-time host for— Well, he was was working for the Seahawks, which is how the connection with Russ took place. And then after his stint with the Seahawks was over— He moved over to working uh, as a co-host at 710 ESPN in Seattle. Oh, wow. uh, And has been there up until now. Literally, Russ hired him from the roster of the Sports Talk radio station. Wow. They've known each other since 2016, but, I mean, my question is, like, he really trusts him that much? Apparently. I mean, I know Russ had a pretty rough year this last year. 
But that relationship when it comes to on the field, is that strong that he would bring him to Denver? I know. I that I'm I'm with you questioning it. I don't fully understand at all. They're boys. Other than that. They're just boys. And you can hook your boy up with a job. I'm the quarterback's coach for what, Russell Wilson. What does a personal quarterback's coach make? Well, here's here's one thing about it. He's also been working for the Russell Wilson Passing Academy. Need somebody to work his camps. That's where yeah, he makes his real money. Where he makes the real cash. Which yeah. Russ was having one last week. Hmm. So all kinds of photos that were out there. I barely remember Jake Heaps. When it comes to KU football and its history, it is a major blur with the names like who was quarterback, who was even coach. I, it's a it turns into a major blur I, to me. I agree. I think especially the starting quarterback. Like the kid that started the game this year against K State, I like th- I had no idea who he was, and then that other guy came in and started playing pretty well. Like the guy that played played against Texas, he started against Texas. That guy's really good, but if you said name the starting quarterback for KU, two thousand seventeen. Could you do it? There's no way I could do that. Well, K, you had three quarterbacks playing that game this last year. Right. And Bean started that game. Yes. And I don't know who that kid is. I, I'm sorry. I love college football, and I follow it religiously, and I never know who's starting for them, ever. Well, they had a couple of quarterbacks, I'm pretty sure, get hurt that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was Bean and then the— And then Miles Kendrick. Right. But Jalen Daniels came in and finished. That kid's and, good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. And he's going to start for KU this year. Yeah, he's he's going to be the only one that really sticks out of my mind. Jake Heaps was a guy that came in with some hype. They were like, oh, the guy from sure. BYU, he, he's really good. And then he stunk. So, resigned from his show six days ago <laughs> to take this gig in Denver. Was co-hosting with Stacy Rost. Um, on 710 out in Seattle. His comment was that uh, he basically had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to coach Russell Wilson full-time and develop the next generation of quarterbacks. Wow. That's an ego talking. That is an ego talking. What? You got something real quick? No, I was just going to say, I would have just jumped on the table. <laughs> like, double middle fingers. Thank ah! you. I'm tired of this radio wage I'm making. <laughs> you guys are idiots. I, I said the lottery. You I'd make it. I told you. When we come back, number one song of the day next. A long, long time ago On graduation day It's DG's favorite genre. You handed me your book From 1962, Roses Are Red by Bobby Vinton. Four weeks. Dude, this was in Goodfellas. Yes, that's, yes. Goodfellas have been coming up a lot lately, so I figured, let's just do it now. Sugar is sweet, my love. But not... As sweet as you. American singer and occasional actor, which we'll get to that here in a second, 
from Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. He was a teen idol, and he was known as the Polish Prince. It's quite the nickname. He played tribute to his Polish heritage with his music. So here was his acting roles. I thought it was an interesting group of, uh, of shows and movies here. He had seven acting roles during his singing career. He first showed up on a beach party movie called Surf Party in 64. In 65, he played George Reynolds in the ABC sitcom The Patty Duke Show. He played Jeff McCandles. What a name that is. Jeff McCandles. In the 1971 John Wayne film, Big Jake. He was in another John Wayne film as well, but it's not listed here. Oh, no, it's right here. Uh, the Train Robbers. He was also in The Train Robbers. And then jump all the way to 1983, where he was on an episode of the NBC family drama, Boone. Okay. So, uh, if I remember right, was supposed to be a Daniel Boone. <laughs> and then his last role, he played himself. Appearing in part one of the three-part series finale of Coach. Oh, hell yeah, man. I remember that show. That was awesome. Yes. In 2015, after contracting a serious case of shingles, Vinton retired from live performing and recording, spoke to his fans and friends in a February 2018 a uh, series XM radio show called the Cousin Bruce Brucey Show, mm-hmm. and he encouraged he encouraged all to get the shingles vaccination. I can't say I have ever received the shingles vaccination. Yeah, welcome to turning fifty. You'll learn soon enough. <laughs> I have from everything that I've ever heard about shingles, not great. You yeah, don't want hell. them. You don't want them. Yeah. I had a cousin get shingles in his twenties. Ouch. Mother-in-law just is getting over a case of. <sighs> what do you do when you get shingles? I, I mean, I, I don't know what you can do, right? Like, it's like a skin thing that's super painful. It's essentially chicken box, just that it's more painful. Ugh. It's the same virus, mm-hmm. but manifests itself when you're an adult. Oh, my God. And is oh, essentially like, you... nerve-wracking oh, in that it, it oh. just, you know... You, MIL's been talking about that you get that burst of something going on, you know, pulsing. And there's, yeah, it just is irritating and, yeah. Well, he's now 87. He's still with us. Yeah! Shingles free. 38 studio albums, 30 top 40 hits, first of four number ones. Roses Are Red was Bobby Vinton's, Vinton's third studio album. So Paul Evans wrote this song, and he said, sometimes you write a song... And you write it for months until you say to yourself, I've got the world's perfect first song. And then nobody likes it. (laughs) And he was at the recording studio one day working with a band, working on some songs. And then this guy who writes lyrics comes in and goes, guys, I have it. I have the best lyrics. And Paul, in a joking way, looks at his band. He's like, all right, guys, take five. I want to hear this song. Starts listening to lyrics. And he's like, okay. Starts figuring some tunes out on the piano. The song was done in three minutes. Wow. Three minutes. Wow. He's like, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to write a hit song in three minutes. Uh-huh. But music works that way sometimes. Crushed it. Now, here's an even better story. 
This song saved Bobby Vinton's career because at the time he was signed by Epic Records, owned by CBS. In 1960s, when he was signed, but as a band leader. Mm. But they're like, you know, make us some music. So, two years later, two failed LPs, and he was called into a meeting with executives. Oh about to get dropped. But he reminds them, hey guys, you know, according to my contract, I'm still supposed to make two more songs. So they scurry out of the office and have their own meeting without him. So he's left in the room by himself while all these executives have a meeting. While he was sitting in a room by himself, he noticed a bunch of demos, and he starts listening to them, and he finds Roses Are Red. Oh, wow. And he's like, listen, and we're talking about a stack of rejected demos, and they come in and they're like, all right, record these songs. So he picked out Roses Are Red, and that was his first hit. Wow. It saved his career. Wow. But you know, he had two songs to record. The other one he picked, Mr. Lonely. Mm-hmm. Whoa! From the discarded demo? Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. See, yes, the music stinks sometimes. I love this song, but the stories behind the stuff that happened in the 50s and 60s is unmatched. That is incredible, man. So I think I misheard you. He d- he. Uh, so Roses of Red for was was from that heap of discarded. Yeah, yeah. Um, demos. So Mr. Lonely, he he co-wrote. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Still awesome. But Still an awesome story. It was all part of the same session. Crazy. When he recorded Roses of Red, he also recorded Mr. Lonely. Dude, and there's nothing like catching the the heat. When you have that one's really going really well, and then you release another one, and that's popular too, you're on fire after that. That's awesome. And they went on to record, let's see, that was his technically his third album that he wow. released this on. He went on to release 35 more <laughs> after that. We can't get rid of this guy. Oh. And like you mentioned, this was used in my favorite movie, Goodfellas, in the scene where Ray Liotta's character, Henry Hill, brings a date to see... Bobby Vinton perform, and Bobby sends him a bottle of wine out of respect. Yes. Bobby Vinton, his character, was played by his real-life son, Robbie. Cool. She's like, we got wine from Bobby Vinton. I mean, come on. Come on, Karen. Oh, I love it. I mean... Your hands don't feel like construction workers. I'm a union delegate. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do? What? What do you do? I work in construction. After he (laughs) takes her through the kitchen to get a front row seat to the act that night. I'm a union delegate. Oh, perfect. What a a movie. But that song rocks. That's great. What a wonderful audience. (laughs) Take my wife, please. Please. She asked her to take it so much you've never been before. I said, try the kitchen. <laughs> oh, doctors gave me six months to live. I said, I can't pay the bill. He said, he gave me another six months. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. The one-liners. Really good. Uh, you know what, Sage? Get us out when we need to get out. I think DG's ready to go with Alaska. Anything to wrap up today's episode of the award-winning show known as The Game. <laughs> We've got... Mispronunciations. What word do people mispronounce that just drives you nuts? When people say wash or worse instead of wash, I get it. Man, my mom says wash. Oh, I hate it. Washington. Washer and dryer. Come on, man. 
boobage. <laughs> That's a callback right there, friends. It's funny he says that because mine is Coverdale. Some folks say Coverdale, like a bunch of ding-dongs. It's Coverdale. Oh, that's too good. That's really funny, dude. That's so funny. Sage, you have a word that you drives you nuts? Um, I recently had an argument with some people about how to say crayons because some people say oh, like crowns. Crowns. Yeah. yeah. I, I no, cr- I'm not into that. I say crowns. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I say Excuse crowns. Me. Do you do you guys know anybody that says so? I say milk, but some people say milk. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, milk. I have a good buddy of mine, Ben, says milk, <laughs> and I wanted to, I want to punch him directly in the sternum. What he's got a Forrest Gump list, Mel, not so Alk. much a list, but like a uh, a, a, a accent. Long, yeah, an accent with an elongation. He's also a crick guy. Oh yeah, I used to be crick. You are going by the creek, and then there. I left Clay County. Ah, <laughs> you go wait a minute. And yeah, they're called creeks. Arkansas, Arkansas. Yes, yeah, that whole fight. I had a buddy from Arkansas that would get. I mean, yeah, it was fighting words. My my former boss and I would get into that one. Them Arkansas boys and no, he, because he had no idea pronunciation wise <laughs> if that was what we called it here in Kansas. When I was at the Stern show, the interns would go wild when I would break out some. Midwestern slang. Oh man! Uh, but I used "crick" one time, and they lost it. They're like, "What? Like, what are you? It's creek. It's called a creek. We don't or even have them." They say "folks." I say "folks." Yeah, hey, folks. Be like, "Are you from the South?" And they all thought Kansas was the South. I was like, "No, people think it is here, <laughs> but it's not." The uh, there's a river that runs through Fort Collins. French name of it is Cache La Poudre. C-A-C-H-E La Poudre P-O-U-D-R-E That's the official French name. Cache La Poudre. The slang is that it's the Poudre River. Oh, God. It's like, come on, man. The French name's much nicer. Please. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Is there any DYI projects you've done that you're very proud of? What's the what's the best DIY or DIY project you've done that you're so proud of around the house? Right now, I would tell Mitch to start the show. I'm building a, a do-it-yourself ball pit for my daughter, and it's going amazing. I cannot wait to see her look the look on her face when she sees it. It's um, I'm doing really good, so it's probably going to turn really bad for me. You <laughs> see, I'm I didn't do it by myself, but I built a go kart. Whoa! Dude, that's awesome. awesome. With my dad. That's awesome. I mean, from scratch. Dude, that's awesome. That, that counts. Count it. Dude, good God. Troy? Uh, I'm pretty good at decorating the walls with our images and photos and kind of do collage. You're one the, of those? Yeah, I'm I one am, of those dorks. God, I am not one of those people. <laughs> I need some of that, man, because I can't do it. Sajay, you have any projects that you like? That you've done, you like? I mean, like, DIY-wise, no. I am a painter, though. Uh, so that's, I guess, my like, project. Like, you have artwork? Yeah, I have lots of artwork. We'll Singer, post it on social media. I want to yeah. see it. Singer, artist, what can't she do, folks? Get on Survivor? Hey, you don't know that. You don't know that, Mitch. Here we go again with a, with a callback. Oh, wow. no. That is amazing. Oh, my God. Hey, if you have to get a tattoo of your worst fear, what are you going to get a tattoo of? 
uh, being bitten by a snake. Snake bite tattoo. I can be around him. I just don't want to hold him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Snake bite tattoo sounds kind of rad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, this is kind of cool. I mean, if I was a 50-year-old biker, maybe. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> mine's rejection. So it's Mutumbo rejecting somebody. <laughs> All right, we got a jet. For everybody on the show, go Cats. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>